back to the matter at hand. So what do you say? Are you back in the band? Well, maybe if I can find my old leather. Dude, we're getting the band back together. Welcome to this week's episode of The Carousel Project. We are so excited to be back. It has been such a long time since we've all been together to record. Adam, please cue Fabulous by Phineas and Ferb as the music to begin the show, okay? We're getting the band (laughs) back together. That is the vibe. I'm feeling it. I'm so excited. Um, Before we get to why we have had such a long break, first let's reintroduce ourselves. My name is Josie. You can find me on social media at Josie Maida. I am Kate Killebrew. You can find me on all social platforms at Kate Killebrew. And I'm Adam or Epcot Adam. And you can find me on all socials at Epcot Adam. At Epcot Adam, please refer to him as such. Okay, so we have been MIA, not because we don't care about the Carousel Project, because truly, if this could be the only thing I did with my life, it would be. Um, We are going to blame our additional two-week hiatus on the lovely Hurricane Ida, and also on um, the Walt Disney Company, as my job has... taken over my entire life as we prepare for the world's most magical celebration. So this episode is not sponsored in part by Hurricane Ida and the Walt Disney Company. It's the opposite. No sponsorship from the two of them. We reached out, we asked, denied. (laughs) In all seriousness, no power is a little difficult to record. So anyways, we are back, baby, and and we appreciate y'all sticking it out with us. Back and better than ever. Are we better than ever? I was going to say, seems like a big promise to make. (laughs) (laughs) Mentally, we are worse than ever, but this podcast will be better than ever. Okay, perfect. Okay, good, good, good to know. Good, 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 good. 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 Sorry, I I need to clarify. (laughs) (laughs) So our fun question of the day to kick off the podcast is if you had five minutes with Daddy Michael Eisner himself, (laughs) our boy Mikey, what would you ask him? I think personally, as stupid as it is in this moment in time, I think I would ask him about the epic Grand Floridian shoot with Fozzie Bear and Fozzie Bear's mom. Um, Is that what you were going to say, Adam? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I was going to say, what was it like to hang out with Fozzie Bear and Fozzie Bear's mom? Okay, I'm changing my... Okay, okay, okay. I'm changing my my answer. I'm changing my answer. I'm changing my answer. I would ask him... And he probably would be really mean to me. But I would ask him, how do you feel about the fact that you, like, changed Figment and everyone Ooh, universally yeah. hates that decision? Like, that was... that <laughs> was a good one. That was a not good choice, dude. How do you yep. feel? Um, would you go back in time and stop yourself if you could? A la Disney Channel original movie Minutemen. <laughs> Kate? I would... If I had five minutes to to ask Michael Eisner anything if asking for another few hours to ask him anything was off the table off the um, table then I okay would, Jeannie okay. always says you can't ask for more wishes <laughs> okay well we know this okay Jeannie plus okay so anyway um I would probably ask I would probably ask where like aside from his son's you know the research and development of what his son thought was cool or not like where did he get his confidence to come up with the ideas that he did during his time because Mm -hmm. i i need that level of confidence in my life right now to you know they don't all need to be winners but the fact that he just oh he went for them all putting that stuff out there like that's all i need i need a motivational speaking class taught by mikey even after a flop he just went for it he was right back hard he went for it so hard right yeah and 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 
in talking about his confidence, I still am, am very much curious as to why he thought removing the people mover for <laughs> rocket rods was a good idea. Because I still don't know why that wasn't your question. Idea. Yeah, I well, thought that was going to be your gonna question. Have two. You were going to have two. Gonna have two. It's a quick five minutes. He has to rapid fire okay. answer. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. I just basically that this question is rhetorical because <laughs> he's just an idiot for doing that. But that's beside the point. Um, okay. Well, that means we are launching into today's episode, which of course is a Michael Eisner special, a Michael Eisner piece de resistance. Okay. Today we are talking about Kate, do you want to tell them? I'm doing the drums. You got to tell them. Club Disney. And this is truly. Club Disney. I know we normally say that this is like the Carousel Project, the Josie show with Adam and Kate, like in much smaller letters. But today. Featured, yeah. Featuring. But today, this is the Kate show. I'm sharing for once. This is the Kate show today because. Kate definitely knows so much more about this topic. Oh, so, gosh. But only for today. Take it away, Kate. Don't get used to it. Just this time. <laughs> well, I, what I thought you were going to say is that this is like a perfect example of why we started the Carousel Project podcast. Because while we love covering the bigger moments in Disney history, this is one of those things that... Thanks to Defunct Land, um, I I would not have known Club Disney even existed. It was such a small part of Disney history that you definitely missed it if you weren't if you in, near one of these locations. <laughs> yeah, if you if you blinked, you missed it. So well, I okay. So the original location apparently was in Thousand Oaks, California, which is like twenty minutes from if here. If you tell me that you never I, went, I'm gonna throw up. What? I'm throwing Better up. start throwing up. <laughs> never Kate went. is puking. Never went. <laughs> You guys You're cannot see it right now, 10 but she's minutes away up. and you 20. didn't go? Well, I, I said 20, but sure, yes. 10. 20? Basically the same at that point. Um, 20 minutes, so it should take about 5 or 10 minutes to get there. My favorite thing is that the top of the Club Disney Wikipedia page says not to be confused with the various Disney club or Club Disney promit programming blocks or club Disney dance parties at Sunset Showcase, Sunset Boulevard, <laughs> Disney's Hollywood Studios. So don't get it twisted, you guys. Also, nope. when I searched Club Disney, um, everything came up like how to get into Club 33. How do you go to Club 33? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's oh, true. Club 33 well, stuff. That was, I, of the eight pages of information I found to speak on today, I sifted through a lot of things that were not Club Club Disney, including, like you said, it looked like um, in in a different country, they they called their television programming Club Disney. Mm. So I had thought the Backstreet Boys had gone to a Club Disney location. They did not. They were on some show. That was, uh, I think it was in Spanish. So um, let's jump in. What they, the they heck? They sang on the show, and it was not Club Disney. What Anyways, the heck even is? We're going off Club on Disney. Club Disney is a regional children's play center concept operated by Disney Regional Entertainment. Basically, it was a knockoff version of Chuck E. Cheese. Hell yeah. But Disney themed. <laughs> um, so, so basically, after the failure of opening Euro Disneyland in 1992 um, and a few other failures in the, in the monetary department as far as Disney parks, things happened in the 90s, um, Mikey was looking for a way to make money um, within the United States in local markets in the metropolitan metropolitan and suburban areas. So they started this new um, 
this new area of Walt Disney Company called Disney Regional Entertainment. Mm -hmm. It was formed in 1996 to develop locally based entertainment. So um, basically some of the other things that came within the DRE um, umbrella would be Disney Quest, ESPN Zone, and Club Disney. Club Disney was the first concept that they did. Now, was the Disney store a part of that? Because I feel no, like it was I, a similar goal, and it's, it's kind of timely because I saw that a lot of Disney stores just closed, but the goal mm-hmm. sounds similar of bringing Disney no. into more regional markets. So I can explain why they're different. So a Disney store was retail. Um, they already existed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This was supposed to be like, basically for people who couldn't visit the Disney parks in Florida or California, they were trying to create these theme park similar experiences, but in big cities around the country, which is why Disney Quest opened in Chicago. It was supposed to open in New York, all these other places. Uh, the original concept was Club Disney, um, This their version of Chuck E. Cheese, because they saw such a big boom in that market with Discovery Zone. Which is um, crazy that bounds. it didn't... I mean, if you think about it, like this should have succeeded because I know. Chuck E. Cheese right. like, oh, totally. Chuck e. Cheese is still around. Like It might not be as like right. crazy is when we were yeah. kids but it is still around today um it's yep. so funny on a on a side tangent i'm from new jersey originally and my boyfriend renee is from arizona and he always would tell me how they had this pizza in arizona that was better than pizza in new jersey which just made me irate but it was literally it's called peter piper's and i guess it's like a regional pizza <laughs> chain <laughs> yep. and it looks and tasted just like Chuck E. Cheese pizza. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, like this is exactly like Chuck E. Cheese. And then one day I'm on LinkedIn and I see the CEO of Chuck E. Cheese of all places on freaking LinkedIn. And it said that he was, he also runs Peter Piper pizza. So I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. So again, another side tangent. Did you guys see during the pandemic, speaking of Chuck E. Cheese? Yes. Um, so when when everything shut down and like Chuck E. Cheese obviously couldn't operate because they need people to come into the restaurant. So they went, at least in L.A., they went on like DoorDash and Postmates and all these oh, other yeah, things the and pizza. changed their name to Pasquale's Pizza. Yes. And people, <laughs> I didn't see yes, that. And people were ordering pizza <laughs> thinking, oh, look, it's a pandemic. The world's shutting down, but there's this brand new pizza place that opened. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and it was called Pasquale's Pizza and it was just Chuck E. Cheese. Oh Pasquale is the name of the animatronic that. that looks like a pizza yeah. chef, right? Sometimes yep, exactly. oh. in some lighting, Renee looks like him to me. <laughs> I don't know I why. I'll never see that. I will never ever. I don't know that. why. And sometimes I'll be like, shut up, you Pasquale looking ass. Like, do not. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, this is not about Chuck E. Cheese. This is not, I repeat, this is not about Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Can you guys see this? He does. <laughs> In the show notes, there will be a side by side of Pasquale the animatronic and my boyfriend. Oh my gosh! Poor I will Renee. never unsee that. The ever. day after his birthday, you're Seriously, gonna do him like that. I'm sorry, oh, Renee. Wait, but look at this version of Pasquale. This is a, a much more acuter version. Yes, that one. He looks more like the meet and greet character than the animatronic. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay, so Club Disney. We're back to it. Okay, so let's let's lead up a little bit before Club Disney started. Basically, um, you had Discovery Zone. That started in 1989. It was uh, 
It was known as a place where kids can cut loose. The first location opened in Kansas City, Missouri in 1989. It was a popular birthday party spot. Um, It expanded to 39 more locations by 1992, so that was within three years. Um, And then three years after that, it would expand to 340 locations. So by 1995, um, Blockbuster actually owned 50.1% of Discovery Zone. And this would probably around the time that Eisner was thinking about going into something like this. He was seeing the rapid growth, you know, very similar to DVC and Pleasure Island. He saw success from somebody else and thought, how can we make this Disney? Yeah. But, you know, it would eventually close in 2001. So, I mean, it was only open from 1989 to 2001. But Discovery Zone was a big name for that similar type of situation um, besides Chuck E. Cheese, of course. Did you guys have Discovery Zone? Like where I, you guys I don't live? think so, honestly. We definitely, we definitely didn't in Slidell. If we did, we probably had one in Baton Rouge or New Orleans, but my parents uh-huh. wouldn't have taken me over oh, there okay. for that, probably. Um, it was I was so a Chuck E. Cheese kid, and then we had something in my area called the Funplex, which is oh, like pretty okay. much, it was like a local, you local know what I mean? Version. Like a local. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was like the big one. Discovery Zone was like all like obstacle course type things. They they had like an arcade on the side and they had food, but like their main thing was like these obstacle courses, you know, like you go up like the jungle, you you know, do the monkey bars and you climb up these crazy Mm. staircases and stuff and jump in the ball pit. So that was like it was more focused on that, whereas Chuck E. Cheese, I think, was more focused on like the arcade and Pasquale, (laughs) a.k.a. Renee making pizza. (laughs) And Chucky. Don't forget Chuck. It could be it could be assumed that this whole concept of like indoor play places, entertainment while you eat, giving parents a chance to, you know, sit or sit around while their kids entertain um, was basically started with McDonald's opening their first play place in 1987. Oh, my gosh. And um, just to show how much mcdonald's believed in this kind of concept in addition to their indoor play places at their locations um they actually had like a discovery zone type concept of themselves called um leaps and bounds from 1991 to 1995 oh i didn't know that um yeah so the tagline was play with purpose um and it was mcdonald's version of an indoor amusement center and um, they couldn't keep up with Discovery Zone, so they ended up selling their locations to Discovery Zone in 1994. So it was pretty short-lived, but it goes to show you they saw that there was potential there um, with right. that. What year did because, you say the first play place opened? Um, 1987. Uh, it says that McDonald's opened their first indoor play place in 1987, And basically the concept became very popular. So they started adding it to more locations. And, you know, that's kind of a callback to our McDisney episode where we talked about how, you know, Disney and McDonald's both saw the the easy moneymaker of having these special toys for kids and entertainment opportunities for kids because the parents would probably bring the whole family they would make a ton of money off of it they'd bring friends etc so the 90s was all about local entertainment Um, malls were transforming into like you know amusement park type experiences and then um, themed restaurants and indoor play places they were really huge so that kind of sets the stage for why the heck disney did club disney my grandma loved loved a play place 
Like I really? went to the McDonald's play place with her. Like she loved it for me. Like she would bring oh, okay, me okay. and drink mm-hmm. her coffee. And like, yeah, we did, we do that all the time. So I guess before we talk about club Disney, I feel like we should at least touch on Chuck E. Cheese. Um, the mm-hmm, first location mm-hmm. actually opened in 1977 in San Jose, Whoa. California. I did not know this business was around that long. That yeah, long. Chuck E. Cheese, damn. Um, and the original owner was uh, Nolan Bushnell, and he he basically had a lot of admiration for the Disney parks and what Disney did with their theming and experiences, and so he wanted to create an experience for guests. Um, but with, you know, food using, uh, you know, video games, pizza, animatronic and characters. And uh, the original concept for Chuck E. Cheese was um, Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza Time Theater. By 1984, so less than 10 years later, they had jumped to 250 locations. Wow. Um, but Chuck E. Cheese Pizza Time Theater would end up filing for bankruptcy um, after some ex- expanding issues um so the remaining locations were actually bought out by a company called showbiz pizza place showbiz pizza place was a division of chuck e cheese he was a franchisee oh wow so he had just kind of gone his own way with it and um then he bought the rest of it and then he just bought the rest of it um and and went from there so those locations would not end up rebranding the the pizza time theater ones did not end up rebranding but it would eventually merge in 1990 so in 1990 that was when they went into um removing pizza from the name it eventually just ended up being chuck e cheese chuck if you guys could own a franchise of one thing what would you own oh um i know i don't know i feel like icy machines would be on brand (laughs) (laughs) or something disney I would love to own. Um, oh, Adam, you go. Oh, a snowball stand. Oh, there you go. Um, I don't know. There's only one boathouse, but I'll franchise the hell out of the second <laughs> one. Um, what's it called? I would love to open. There's a franchise in Tucson, Arizona that's growing in Arizona. Um, and when we Ooh. go to visit Renee's family, we go. It's called EG's, and they have like these slushies and like sandwiches and French fries, and it's so good. It's oh. so you had me at French fries. Good. They have the best ranch you've ever had, and they make like ranch fries. Like I just love them. I just saw them I on TikTok, and they were doing really good. They did a berries and cream TikTok. I did. I did a oh, video. Really? Yeah, and I did a video when I went out there. So yeah, I definitely have talked about them before. But anyway, I think they would do so well in Orlando, like so oh, I'm sure. well because they have like sandwiches, fries, and then these amazing one of a kind like slushy kind of things. So. Okay, so so what you're saying is the three of us should buy a franchise of this and put one in Orlando. Renee and I have talked about it. Like, we would love to. I think both of us are on the same page that if we could open a franchise, like, that is, that's what we would do. And, and he already has an in in the restaurant restaurant industry because he is a member of Chuck E. Cheese's <laughs> band. So, like, <laughs> we're, we're golden, baby. He was able to create a new business during the pandemic, selling pizza. <laughs> oh my God, I'm dead. I'm so the glad you guys like kind of see it. Like you, it, it's totally a yeah. thing. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, no, that's him. Oh my God. Um, I'm really crying. quick, a random. So when I was a kid, like late '80s, the closest Chuck E. Cheese to us was like 20 minutes away, and the whole animatronic band was Beach Boys themed. No. So like, so like they had maybe 10 different songs that were all about pizza. 
but, but they were boys. sung in like a Beach Boys style. And like <laughs> they're basically Beach Boys parody songs. I love and it. And I wish it was the location is still there, but they changed it out long ago because oh, I guess kids I of wonder... the 2020s do not give a f about the Beach Boys. Were they the same? Were they the same characters, or was yeah. it? Different. Okay. Yeah. So, so just ask Renee what it was like to be in a Beach Boys <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese cover band. Oh I'm losing gosh. it. I'm losing Before he was it. born. So wait, you're telling me. You're. Let me just make sure I understand. So you were 20 minute, 20 minutes away from a Chuck E. Cheese, and you made the drive for that, but not for but Club your Disney. Your mom didn't make the drive for Club Disney. I'm just trying to understand. Donna, we have Donna. Questions. Okay, Donna. <laughs> okay, James. James. You didn't ask me to go to Club Disney, Donna. When I specifically asked you. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So Okay, um, back on track. So I guess a good question would be who was running this whole Disney regional in- entertainment department? Not who I. Was it? it was not me. It wasn't Mikey. Um, he had to hire somebody. <laughs> so who he decided to hire was Art Levitt. Um, and he was appointed to president of Disney regional entertainment. Um, basically, where Art came from, he was a part of the Pleasure Island project, the okay. Disney Village Marketplace, things like that. Mm. Um, he ended up leaving Disney um, for Rank Leisure USA in 1993. That's who runs like the Hard Rock um, cafes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was oh, over okay. there for two years, but he made his return after that ready to help Disney um, create like these entertainment experiences in local markets uh and so he was the one who took over for disney regional entertainment so anyway art was in charge of this michael eisner was very excited about this he knew the experience he had um and so they went ahead and launched the first location on february 21st 1997 in at the westlake promenade in thousand oaks california so before it opened on february 21st for about a month before um they were just doing birthday party reservations at this location starting january 15th i guess that was their way to kind of start training their cast members and kind of getting ready for it but the official opening was february 21st 1997 um and in attendance there was michael eisner mickey and goofy there to open it um In very Mikey fashion of grand openings, he was expecting and promoted that there would be 10,000 visitors there and that it would be very busy. But of course, we had about 10% of that. We had 1,000 people there. Yeah, classic Mikey. Shooting for the stars. Of of the 1,000 people there, there were some visitors who were protesters. They were there accusing (laughs) Disney. (laughs) You're going to want to hear this. There were some protesters, about four or five of them, okay. um, that were that were protesting Disney. They were accusing them of paying Haitian workers twenty eight cents an hour to make Pocahontas pajamas. So they they showed up to to show their distaste for Disney on that day. Um, I guess Michael Eisner was happy that more protesters didn't show up on that day, but um, that was he was a part happy of it. with they the four or five. Yeah, it was only four or five. Um, <laughs> And then they 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 had a plan for four more uh, Club Disney locations to be built. Almost one protester for every month that Rocket Rods was uh, <laughs> <laughs> available to ride. <laughs> we oh my love God. that. 
So anyway, um, that's just the facts. Basically, they didn't have a lot of people at the opening. They were expecting a lot of people. It sounds like a lot of people didn't come because they were marketing that a lot of people were going to be there, and then they had the protesters. Um, So basically, the initial plan for Club Disney was to start out in these bigger cities like you know, Thousand Oaks, all of that. But they wanted to eventually have them across the country in these suburban malls all over America. Um, this this was it planned been really to be cool like too if hundreds they put it in of like locations. The Mall of America. You know what I yes, mean? That would have been a great exactly. starting location. Yeah. Um, also, like I always think we have this big mall in like the New Jersey, New York area called Palisades Park Mall. And it like has oh, okay. like, I don't know if it still has, but it had like a little roller coaster in it, had a Ferris wheel, had like, you know, things like that, like an ice skating rink, like one of those malls. So Ooh. like something like that would have fit. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I could have, I could, they could have had minimum 50 locations in the country. This they could have also kind of reminds me of um, like a Rainforest Cafe vibe. I know it's yes. different, but I'm throwing mm-hmm. it yes. in the same bucket. And honestly, it was, it was, um, Rainforest Cafe was noted when they were kind of talking about the vibe of the 90s. People liked these themed experiences, the Rainforest Cafe. I cafes, still do. The, I'm a, I'm a yeah. H-O-E for these themed experiences. <laughs> so basically club disney was designed for like birthday parties field trips weekend visits you get it when when people are listening think chuck e cheese but disney themed like that's the best way to put it um so the complexes featured play places karaoke educational demos kid friendly friendly computer games animation tutorials etc etc um Some of the play places were themed, might be like Hercules themed, Lion King themed. I saw one that was like more jungle themed that ended up getting transformed into a different children's entertainment center. We'll get into that later. Um, But the play place names were, um, you know, Jungle Climber or Colorageous Climber or my favorite one, which was Super Calatoontastic, Whatchamacallit, Time... Toaster? You did this I'm for toaster. what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. No Mikey. kid was able to name that. Not one. Sometimes y'all get in a little bold with the nomenclature. They I'm not do. gonna lie. Getting <laughs> a little bold with they, it. A little bold. They were just in a they silly. They wonder goofy why mood. it was short lived. Um, so anyway, they held periodic dance parties themed to different, um, Disney entities. They had like the Lion King limbo. Again, we've got some alliteration happening here. Get ready. The Lion King limbo, the Mickey Macarena, the Roger Rabbit bunny hop. You get it. If it was, if it was similar in name or theme, they were doing it. They made it happen. One thing that they offered as like a family workshop was their poo aerobics program. Oh my God. Um, basically it was <laughs> basics. Yes. On. Okay. No, so. I know they're talking about no. Winnie the, but there is yes, no need. Is just... There is no, absolutely no need to combine <laughs> nope. poo and aerobics because when I tell <laughs> you just don't, you don't need to do that. Look, when you're grasping for straws after losing so oh, much money grasping. in the early '90s, baby, you you pull out all the stops, okay? Oh my so God. they had they offered poo aerobics. This was a ten week. This is a ten week stretching and exercise program for kids and parents, um, oh themed to Winnie the Pooh. I'm pretty sure Winnie the Pooh taught it. I don't know how. I can't imagine a mascot 
teaching a stretching class, but <laughs> go off, Disney. I'm just waiting for them. You know how they do like the like once a month or I don't know how often, but they do like the cast member yoga. Yes, sun, it's, it's normally like once a year. It's Magic once Kingdom. a year. Call it Poo-robics. Yes, next year it needs to be Poo-robics <laughs> at the castle. <laughs> oh my god, oh my that's gosh. so funny. Yep. For it's what? So, it, I'm so serious. Okay, so here are some of the attractions. Uh, that could be found at Club Disney locations. They had the mouse pad. This was their computer lab. Um, it would have different, different like Disney themed games, learning activities, whatever. Then they had a Peter Pan room. Um, I actually saw some video of this, and we'll include um, the links to those YouTube videos I saw. Basically, someone put their kids' birthday videos up, so you got to see the full birthday experience oh, wow. and all oh, that. It's really cool. cool. So this Peter Pan room, basically it's something that would would have reminded me of like the Image Works aspect of the Imagination Pavilion. Yeah. You've been in this room. But Image Works when it opened or like the original iteration of that was really cool, right? Like that was supposed to be like cutting edge and Yeah. Well, so basically the idea behind this room is you, it was a colored room and you'd walk in and you'd go against a wall and basically every 30 seconds, like the lights would flash and whenever they would, whatever pose you were in would appear as a shadow and it would stay there. So you could make all kind of cool like poses and it was like your shadow would stay on the wall. Anyways, it was really cool. Um, They had the play places. We talked about the crazy names already. We covered it. Um, (laughs) Some of the future locations had um, a swing, you know, a swing setup, which was Tarzan themed. They had a Herx gym activity area. Um, some of them had an Aristocat music wall. Um, so this was like motion de- um, detected, like musical instruments, kind of similar to like the figment thing where yeah, you like yeah. put your hand through kind of thing. That's um, exactly what I thought. The They had the poo and you corner. This was for children under three. <laughs> Again, they're pushing poo. I don't know. Um <laughs> Then they had a story time area. They had arcade games. Um, I saw on a thread about Club Disney, apparently the the games didn't require tokens or anything. They were all just button-pushing type games. So I guess with your admission, it covered that. Josie, are those the fireworks? I yeah, was I was say, just going to say, I was, gonna I, I was, say I was waiting happening. for Kate to have a break. Yes, I don't know how you're going to be ed- able to edit that out, but those are, in fact... That's Happily Ever After. So if you can hear that in the podcast, it is Happily Ever After. Um, I live right behind the Magic Kingdom. And so every night around this time, they should be just about ending. The show is 18 minutes long, unless they started at 8.15. I don't know. But yes, it is Happily Ever After. That is playing right now. Um, If you hear it, you're welcome. Okay, so the last few attractions that they had in there were um like a little mermaid area and some of the descriptions they said were like you could chat on a cellular phone (laughs) find treasure etc um then they had the applaudville theater this is where guests could like dress up in costumes and have a fashion show Uh, do you imagine putting on those costumes that like all those other people wore like do you imagine yeah i can't think about it yeah i can't even think about it um it was a different time and then they had their adventures which was educational activities now apparently that was one of the most criticized aspects of this um apparently people were not impressed with the educational activities that they did which Mm -hmm. i was surprised about because i feel like disney parks are big on edutainment Um, and also like yeah chuck e cheese does no educational stuff yeah so you get what you get and you don't get upset 
<laughs> or you don't throw a fit, depending no. on where you're from. Renee, okay, depends what do you say, Adam? Okay, so I've been to your birthday trip last year. <laughs> I had never even heard this phrase before. <laughs> but in my mind, the it makes sense the way you guys say it. Wait, me? Yeah. I say what? you get what you get and you don't get upset. And uh, and Kate and Renee Everyone say, else in the world says... You get what you get and you don't you get what you get fit, and you don't which doesn't make sense. Okay, to that's the that's the one that makes sense to me. What? It doesn't rhyme. You get what you get and you don't get upset. It rhymes. It makes sense. You, you but get, you say like eleven. It's too much getting. Uh, I, I was gonna say, and yours you say like eleven gets. You get what you get and you don't get upset. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. It's the same amount of gets. Yeah. No, no you say and you don't get upset. Okay, and we well, say you don't throw a fit. Mine, There's an extra I will, get. I will never be. Listen, normally I'm like, oh, It sounds yeah, like it's, it's a New regional. Jersey thing. Well, New Jerseyans are right because it rhymes, so it's better. I'm sorry. That's well, just I will words. say yours, yours technically does rhyme, but where ours feels like it rhymes in our head is because we end up saying get like get because we know it needs to rhyme with fit, fit if mm. that makes sense. We say you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. See? Again, no, this has I'm nothing to do with not Club convinced. Disney, but nothing. here we are. Go on. If, we if say you nothing guys... like this in California. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, I'm like, yeah, people just say it differently. Whatever. Like, I don't care. It's regional. Yeah. But this one, I will I will die for. Like, no. <laughs> I would die for Riley. I would die for Riley. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, man. Club Disney. So, let's talk birthday parties. Yes. Apparently, birthday parties were starting at $185. Um. I guess we should be checking the price of that for inflation in 1997 to 1999. Got it. Got it. Um, but basic. What year did you say? 1997 to 1999. Okay, 1997. Any of those okay. years. Um, according to my research, the the price was starting at 185. Um, okay, that's 315 today. Wow, I that doesn't sound too crazy. Pricey. I mean, if everything's I included, I, I guess it would yeah, depend on what you Yeah, the food would be included. How many kids can come? I'm sure they got little prize bags. What kind of food did they serve in this joint? Because we know Renee was serving Ooh, up we're pizza. Getting <laughs> we're, get, we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. So you could, your kids could choose from a number of Disney themes. Here were the themes. They had Disney Princess Tea, Toy Story Search Party. Y'all are going to love this one. Horrific! Oh my um, God! Why? Enough with the poo! Why? Why? Enough with Next, it! Uh, we've got no some. Al- we've got some alliteration. Hercules, hero, hurrah! That sounds like fun. Um, Way better than poo. Yeah, and then a hundred and one Dalmatians, bow wow bash. So those were some of the options. Um, they would have. Uh, you'll see in the videos, but basically they had like Merlin, um, someone dressed up as Merlin, performing like magic tricks and kind of interacting with the birthday uh, child. And you know, it was it was like they had a performance and all of that. Um, the cake was ca- always catered by Cheesecake Factory. What? Um, and yes, oh. Cheesecake Factory. Yep. Cheesecake that is Factory random as heck. There's right? a Cheesecake Factory literally like five minutes from the Thousand Oaks one, so that makes sense. Yeah, there but you go. still, that's crazy. So they served Mickey Mouse-shaped pizza. They had cheese and pepperoni Mickey-shaped pizza. 
um, and soda. There were about a dozen rooms um, for these birthday parties. They were apparently, like, not very wide rooms. They were more, like, long and skinny, but they they had these little private rooms for the parties, which is kind of interesting because at Chuck E. Cheese, it's just tables in the in the big room. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, guests would go into the library and meet Merlin. Um, he would use his crystal ball what? to have Mickey wish them a happy birthday. So think of, like... A screen within the crystal ball like that's but that's so crazy like merlin too like he wasn't popular then either right no i think yeah i think i think they kind of tried to use him as like a mascot for this club disney experience like birthday experience they had little they were trying to make merlin happen yeah, so they had a, they had a Merlin. You could like win Merlin little Beanie Baby dolls and stuff. Like you could use, oh. you could buy those. Um, I found them on eBay. Um, and then there was like a special. There were special birthday chairs for the birthday uh, child, and um, they would get crowns. It was it was cute. I I loved watching the videos of the kids' experience, getting to see like how the cast members handled everything, and you know all of that. Um, so for entry to Club Disney, just in general, um, kids would only be allowed to enter Club Disney if they had adult, an adult with them, very similar to Chuck E. Cheese. Both the kids and the adults had to wear a special wristband that had a matching barcode unique to them. They couldn't leave with any other Which I feel adults. like is kind of ahead, because I feel like Chuck E. Cheese didn't do that for a yeah. while. No, I was going to say, not. and the Chuck E. Cheese that I attended it was like a stamp on your hand it was mm-hmm. like they would they would move through the number and mm-hmm. like you'd be like 87 you know whatever yeah so i thought the wristband thing was cool um and then this this was just to help ease the parents minds um they knew that their kids could enjoy they didn't have to be you know they didn't have to be helicopter parents also apparently on the second floor there was an adult lounge basically where parents could just hang out and be quiet um they didn't have to like stay out in the main play area if they didn't want to so i thought that was kind of cool they don't have anything like that at chuck e cheese yeah that's kind of cool put something like that in the disney parks please because yeah. the screaming kids um just... they have something like that it's called club 33 <laughs> oh dang we need to go there um okay <laughs> Um, or the Imagination Lounge. We can go there. Yeah, either or. So, yeah, like I said, Club Disney served Mickey Mouse-shaped pizza. It looks like they also had um, some other food items. Let me go back to this guy did, like, a play-by-play of everything he remembers about the location he visited, and he said they also had salad, hot dogs, and fries. And he said specifically that the fries were served in an upside-down Mickey hat with cups of ketchup and ranch with it, I what? guess, in, like, the two ears. So That's I thought that fun. was kind of fun. Yeah, okay, yeah bring I that thought back, that was fun. Please. And then I'm sure y'all are wondering what it would cost to go. It was $8 per child and $4 per adult. And that was one of the big critiques that parents had about Club Disney is – that why were they having to pay to get in there as well? They had to be there. Like, their kids couldn't go without an adult. Why are they having right. to pay money And um, in addition right. why to Right, why not ch- just charge it $12 for a kid? Because you have to think, I mean, I guess, they I mean, I would lounge. think that, yeah, I guess. I mean, it sounds like they didn't really use tokens for the games. The kids could just go up and play the games, so maybe... Okay. 
maybe that includes the price of food. I don't know where that admission cost would come from because I know at Chuck E. Cheese, you don't pay to get in. You Mm -mm. go up and get your token package and your food package kind of thing. It sounds more affordable than Chuck E. Cheese if all the games and stuff were included. But yeah, Yeah. I guess parents were like, why would I have to pay? Maybe the food was additional and maybe they just got tired of like, having to pay every time they went. So they actually did offer like an annual pass slash membership program. Um, You could pay $69 for kids and $35 for adults for the year. Um, Hmm. And I, I saw on one of the forums that I was reading on, like there were people who their parents took them like every single weekend. So I could totally see, especially living in the bigger cities where it may be, someone just investing in the pass for the year and kind of having something to always go do. Um, And then, of course, within every location, they had the clubhouse shop, which was basically the the gift store that you could go and buy, I guess. with That's the thing. I don't know if they had tickets. I don't know what they had, but you could go in and get your prizes in there. Um, There were five planned locations. They had the Thousand Oaks, California location, West Covina, California, Chandler, Arizona, Glendale, Arizona, and then Lone Tree, Colorado. Those are the only ones that ever opened. Um, wow. The West Covina, isn't that, Has have you guys ever seen the um, show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? I think that's where it's located. I and West Covina is like a it. random, I think, I'm not sure. West Covina is like probably it. an hour or so from here. But I, I have no idea about the I'm TV just very show. surprised because in the TV show, they make it, like, just, like, random. Like, they make it, oh. like, it's, like, a very weird, random, like, obscure town. I mean, it kind of is. I mean, it's just, like, a little part of L.A., I guess. I, it says it's 44 miles from here. Yeah, it's, like, east of downtown, but, like... Yeah, I, really I think, think they were just trying to, to branch out to, like, a different area and see how it did. Um, I don't know why they picked the cities that they picked, but um, one of our listeners who we're friends with on Instagram, I she's from Colorado, and she we've talked before about Club Disney, and I think she said she got to go to the Lone Tree location wow. in Colorado. So I'll Lone Tree is like that. ten minutes from where I usually stay out there. Um, okay, so kind of by Denver wow. area. Yeah, it's like okay. maybe thirty-ish so minutes south of, of like downtown Denver. Okay, not too bad. So, like I said, like, the main critics from Club Disney, uh, the main problems people had were not liking the price and the fact that, like, parents had to pay, especially since they had to be there. And then um, they said that the adventures, the the education things were, like, not great. So, those were the two main issues. Sadly, I think what happened, um, because Club Disney would close on November 1st, 1999, so less than two years after launching, um, Mm -hmm. all the locations would close. I think, sadly, Mikey just wasn't looking to play the long game with this. He wasn't willing to wait it out and see how it was going to do. Yeah, it sounds like he would have really needed to get this in a lot of towns to get people excited to really start making money. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, he'd, he had recently just seen all the hardship from Euro Disneyland and some of these other projects, and I think he just wasn't willing to gamble um, with the money of opening, let's say, tens of or hundreds of locations across the country and then it not do well. Yeah. Ironically enough, they went on to do Disney Quest and ESPN Zone, which we know both of those ended pretty quickly as well. So Disney Regional 
entertainment ended up, in my opinion, being kind of a flop. But I'm kind of sad that this never really made it anywhere else besides basically three states. Because I, I would have loved to see how a New it. York City location would have New done. New York or, City would have been cool. Like, yeah, I feel they like they should have started it. in New York City. Come right, on. like if they put this in like Times Square or something. Or even like in the Vegas. Hard thing like if they put this in Vegas so for, expensive. for kids. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm sure they had to balance like we want this to be in a big enough city. Yeah. But then also you have to think like if people are there as tourists, like is that what they're mm-hmm. going to do? Like it has to be like yeah. big enough that it's a big city, but local enough that like people like live there and are going consistently. Right. I think that was one of the biggest problems as we look to the NBA experience because oh, people are here for vacation. And so yeah. they're like, okay, I only have a couple of days on vacation. Is that like my top priority out of all the things in Orlando? Is that the top but thing see, I want to do? My thing is, I like they said with Disney Quest, the reason why Disney Quest failed is because they were putting it in cities like Chicago and things where, yes, like a lot of tourists go, but like you said, people are splitting their time. I think if they would have just put all their focus on the Orlando location, you know, in downtown Disney, then they would have had a lot more success because they said out of all the locations, the most successful one was in Orlando mm-hmm. because people were looking to spend money and well, do yeah, Disney I did, but did, I feel like so I never got to go to Disney Quest, but I feel like it was different because like they had like arcade games and stuff. Like the NBA experience was so niche. Oh no, NBA so experience niche. was I I will go on record saying biggest mistake that Bob Iger made. I. It was. I don't know what he was thinking. He could. He he allowed them to gut that building just for this for this experience that wasn't even open a year. I mean, sir, you could have bought all new computers for less. I'm just gonna let you know that now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Even rocket rods lasted. And I mean that with all the respect in the world. But honestly, it was it was a big mistake. Huge. So anyway, I (laughs) I think that that makes me think though, like what if they would have just put a club Disney in downtown Disney? I feel like it would have done great there Mm -hmm. because again, it would have mixed the Chuck E. Cheese element, but make it Disney, you know, parents know that they could just chill out while their kids run off some energy, you know? And yeah, I don't know. That's what they should have done. They should have started in Orlando and gone from there, but mistakes were made. Um, so when Club Disney closed, um, any of the unsold goods from the clubhouse shop were sent to Toys for Tots, and then the Which computers nice. ended up going to the local schools. Um, so that's what happened with that. But we're going to take a second to talk about, um, I guess it's Makutu's Island. It's this place in Chandler, Arizona, and on their website and everything, like they proudly boast that this was an old Club Disney location. What? So it's still open to this day. Makutu means magic. So they they pulled that to like Makutu means magic. This used to be like a Club Disney location. We kept the they kept the structuring and all the I same. Was say they just obviously had to remove the Disney entities i saw but. that the in december of 1998 a location in chandler arizona opened yeah um, so it was open like less than a the year the glendale arizona club opened in 1999 in february of 1999 yeah and then by october they were like we're leaving we're ending yeah this. So I thought it was cool, like, they're, they proudly have a disclaimer on their site, like, this isn't owned by Disney, but this was a Club Disney location, and, you know, the, the theming and everything is obviously not Disney anymore, but, like, structurally and all of that, it was built out for 
Club Disney. I so I thought that was kind of cool. It's still kicking from, right now. Yeah, I wonder how far it is from Tucson for next time I go. Chandler, yeah. Chandler's like 20-ish minutes south of Phoenix. So it's an hour and a half, from hour <gasps> 15 from Tucson. Yeah, <laughs> it's close. It's drivable. So I'm going to put a, a link I'm in going. the show notes to the <laughs> website if anybody wants to check it out. Um, it's a 21,000 square foot location. It's still open to this day. So let's go. Very I want to cool. check it out. When I get married in Tucson, that's where we'll have the bachelorette party. I love that. I love that. Do you guys do bachelorette parties? <laughs> They're going to be like, no. Ma'am. Oh, my God. Um, Ma'am, this so, is a... Dude, this is a Wendy's. So I ended up on a Club Disney forum on one of the websites, and somebody shared like a recollection of their experience at the Thousand Hills location as a kid. So I, I went and took Thousand some Oaks. notes of... Thousand Oaks. I put Thousand, Thousand Hills. Hills. Why? <laughs> Dang it. Thousand Oaks. You get it. Uh, you Oaks knew what Hills. she meant. You know nature. Anyways. So. Thousand <laughs> So I thought I would just go through what they remember because I feel like they were a little bit more descriptive with some of the Disney theming of the different yes. games and stuff. So stay with me but they said they remember there was a hundred acre wood area they had like rabbits garden a slide i'm assuming this was like the poo and you corner that was for like three and under um they said they had a mighty ducks air hockey table oh, that's they cool. had flubber themed ski ball of course they had um Whoa. they had winnie the pooh um basically like uh one of those games where you had the net and you're like trying to catch bees, but it was Winnie mm-hmm. the Pooh theme. Basically, uh. you're like catching the bees in a net. Um, they had a two story jungle gym. Um, you had to tell, apparently, you had to tell the cast member at the top um, what character you were to let them know that you were ready to go down the slide. Maybe that was so that way they weren't like forcing kids to go down the slide or anything. Maybe that was just something they had in place. I don't know. Um, so it sounds like there was a cast member in the top part of the jungle gym kind of like watching the kids um they had a reflective mirror effect where you would see the the evil queen um they had an arts and crafts room they had 101 dalmatians maze they um they had the computers on the first floor that we talked about um they were under a mickey sorcerer hat they had the adult lounge on the second floor. Some of the computer games they had were like Bugs Life themed. They said Tonka trucks. I don't really understand how that falls under the Disney umbrella, but okay. No. Um, apparently they had like a Mulan show near the stage area where they would do like karate moves and and like kind of um, get ready to defeat the Huns kind of thing. I thought that was cool. That's really cool. Um, so we talked about the dining. They had like salads, Mickey pizzas, hot dogs, the fries with the ketchup and ranch. Um, they had a Tarzan area. And they said that outside of the um, Club Disney location, they had a Disney store attached. I don't know if that's true or oh, not, that's, but well, that, that was their cool. recollection, which sounds I think smart. is very smart because after they shopped at – the clubhouse store whatever they could just go to uh the disney store after Mm -hmm. um so that's what they remember two more little random things that i'm gonna throw out there um i ended up finding the site the company that did the branding for club disney um and i thought since the premise behind our podcast i thought that that would be a cool thing to touch on the company 
was called Evanson Design Group, and they created the packaging, the uniforms, the grand opening announcements, all the collateral, and all the outdoor advertising. Oh, that's so um, cool. We're, we're going to include a link to their their page about it in the show notes. But um, they even did, like, the plates, cups, popcorn buckets, napkins, goodie bags, etc. So they they put the logo and creation for all that. I thought that was really cool. Um, It looks like they also were responsible for some stationary and direct mailers for the Disney Channel. And they also did, um, for Disneyland's The Coffee House, they did signage and collateral for that as well. Oh, that's so cool. Um, So they worked with Disney on a few different levels. Um, Last... Apparently, according to my research on eBay, uh, Club <laughs> Disney had some program called the Disney Dozen. I couldn't find any information on it other than the print on the back explaining the program. So from what I gathered, this was a one-year program. From the time that you signed up for it, um, you had a year. And basically, anytime you would buy one of their little um, mini beanbag plushes, like Beanie Baby version yeah. Disney plushes, mm-hmm. um, you would get a stamp. And when you got to 12 stamps, you would get an exclusive Club Disney collect collectible one that was only available for Disney Dozen collectors. I would have eaten I, that sugar I was going to say, we would have been all over that. My grandma... Um, she lives. She lived near the Disney store that recently closed in Louisiana. And anytime she would come visit me an hour away, she always brought my sister and I a little Disney Beanie Baby. You know, Disney's version of Beanie Baby. Oh, so I had so a ton cute. of them growing up. Um, and then last, but last, um, last I but did last. some search. I did some searching on um, eBay, and I found a few club disney items that were still out there like i said they had the little um disney beanie babies of mickey and minnie with like club disney shirts on they had Mm. a little merlin plush beanie baby with a club disney tag they had a little honeybee plush um you know for winnie the pooh Pooh. of course (laughs) the main thing (laughs) and then um they had like a club disney pencil case things like that um i found a Club Disney shirt for um, Thousand Oaks. I ended up purchasing it by accident. It's fine. Um, by accident. Mm-hmm. By, by accident. accident. It's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, what I think is so cool about this is that if you didn't live in one of these five cities, and even if you did, according to Adam, yeah. you live nearby, you <laughs> literally group. missed this. Yeah. So I'd like to thank Defunct Land for bringing this up on a YouTube episode to make us aware of this blip in disney history and that (laughs) is club disney (laughs) wow we love it we love it well thank you so much kate because you truly like kate always finds the craziest information it has been such a crazy few weeks we really wanted to record something for you guys because we missed getting together and recording and putting up new episodes um and kate really carried this one so kate we love you we appreciate you as always you can find us on instagram if you want to if you you know want to follow us over on instagram you can find us at carousel project podcast and like always, if you guys enjoyed this episode or another episode and you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, it would mean the world to us. We love getting to get the feedback from you guys, and it's a great way to let Apple Podcasts know about our 
our episodes and our show so they can put us out to more Disney history fans. And just remember, it helps if you leave words. Share what you're feeling. We appreciate it. Um, and keep those reviews coming. Yeah, if you want to put a review and just say something like, this podcast is great and Adam is awesome, I'll take it. <laughs> this podcast is great. I would die for Riley and Adam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Pasquale. <laughs> Slash Renee. Slash Renee. Slash Kurobics. Also, before we go, just to address the big pink elephant in the room, we haven't gotten a chance to post our giveaway yet, and that's because we're trying to put something together that is super special for you guys. We're so grateful for everybody who's a part of this family. Um, So after we get back from the 50th anniversary, we will be sharing the giveaway details, and we can't wait to have more things like this in the future. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode. We can't wait to get to you for the rest of season two. Please, please, please be patient with us. This everything is super, super crazy right now. We should be back to some kind of normalcy in the next few weeks, but we love you all. We really appreciate you for listening along, and we cannot wait to finish out this season. We have so many more fun episodes coming your way. And season three, we're going to just kill it, guys. It's going to be great. Yep. So <laughs> stick around. Best season yet. Stick around. (laughs) Okay. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Love Love you. Love you. Bye. Take care. (laughs)